from recruiting and consulting firm RiderFlex. I'm your host, Steve Urban, and here is your RiderFlex podcast episode of the day. Tim Morrissey on the RiderFlex podcast. How's it going, Tim? I'm doing quite well. How about yourself? Uh, it's going great. I love that outfit. We're both wearing black. We're all dressed up. We got show everybody your haircut so they know we're the yeah, same. Yeah, right? yeah. Matching on, haircuts over here too. Keep Ooh, it simple. I like it. Isn't it nice? I love it. I love the buzz that. And I buzzed mine down in like '97, so it's been like 23 years, and I've never gone back. How this, how how were you? This was actually a quarantine experiment for me. Oh, I had, I had some short bald hair before, and then quarantine, I just started doing it all the way, and I never looked back. Bro, is it not? Is it not great? Aren't it you, is. It you? is. It's very nice. My wife approves too, so we're okay. <laughs> That's key. Yeah. That's key. Okay, so yeah, let's let's find out about you personally a little bit. Give us the. I think you're from the East Coast. I saw the New York, the the smaller college in New York, and I saw that. So I'm like, okay, it's the East Coast guy. Maybe from grew up in New York. I don't know, but anyway, let's yeah. let's get into. It. Give us the personal story before we get into the company stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. So I currently I reside in Boulder, Colorado. I love Boulder. Uh, I've been out here since about 2013, moved out here to go to grad school, actually, uh, to do some really specific research, moved out here with my now wife, girlfriend at the time, Uh, grad school for the mountains, though, I'm a big, big skier, Uh, skiing is a big part of my life, Uh, it it drives a lot of my decisions, including before I came out here, I was living in France, actually skiing a season out there. What? Okay, yeah, Yeah. that's okay. That was a good time. Uh, Um, Where'd you grow up? But I grew up, up in uh, I grew up in upstate New York, rural New York, a town called Little Falls, extremely small, right smack dab in the center. Um, awesome. Most most kids that I graduated with uh, high school with don't go to college. That type of town. Is this uh, north, south, east, west of Albany? Like, give me a give me a where's that? It at? is just a bit uh, blah, 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 west of Albany. Okay, so it's actually okay. smack dab between Albany and Syracuse. Okay, all right, very good. Well, I don't know. It was it's my it's my zoom on my, what's wrong with my focus sorry okay so you grew up there you went to the how'd you decide to go to that scholar that college is what was it alfred yep i went to a college called alfred university um i went there i learned about it to go study a very specific type of engineering called ceramic engineering which is like super specialized material science uh and i did that because i had a couple uncles that did that too actually one uncle that lives out here that i'm really good friends with he's a ceramic engineer as well um so kind of family introduction to the to the uh to the degree and then I went there because it was a good value. I went to a university, but it was actually a state school, and that was really important to me. I uh, came from a middle-class family, so, so it was a good, good opportunity for me to how I, how I got educated. What did your folks do? Uh, my mother's a kindergarten teacher, retired now. And my father uh, is an accountant, moved up the, the, the ranks. He's a CFO for a small company in upstate New York now. That's why you did the little substitute teaching there for a bit. Yep. My mom was a teacher. That's the tie yep. back. Okay. Yep. I've been a teacher, and I taught in uh, when I did that little France trip to – uh, that was in 2012. Uh, my wife and I, I picked the first half. I went to France, went skiing for four months. My wife picked the second half. We went to Thailand and taught English for four months. So I've kind of taught in oh, a few cool. different places. Yeah. Cool. Did you guys meet in college, you and your wife? Yep. Yep. We met in college. She's from out here originally, but uh, she went to school out there uh, at Alfred University. We met that's, there. And, uh, that's 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 why you came to Colorado to go to yep. grad school. Not only because of the mountains and skiing, because that's where she's from. The in-laws. The in-laws. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Now, how did you meet your wife? What's your wife's name? My wife's name is Elise Morsey. She's wonderful. And she's Elise. the uh, mother of our small son, Patrick, who's going on two years uh, coming up in two months. Oh, pretty cool. Well, you're getting close to, you're getting close to potty training time pretty quick. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We're looking forward to the, the end of diapers. That's for sure. Dude, oh yeah. It's so good. Once they get past that. Uh, yeah. That, from I've always said from like three to like 11 is like, those are the magic years, bro. 
Three to 11. I'm just telling well, you right after now. 11, man. Well, the puberty, <laughs> you know, they start to mature, you know, 12 and 13 years old. Then they start thinking they know shit. And, you know, then it's yeah. not quite as fun. But three to like three to 11, it's yeah. golden years. Well, I'm, having a pretty, I'm having a pretty good time right now. He likes getting in the backpack. I take him hiking and I take him backcountry skiing, uh, too, on some really conservative stuff. Really? Sitting back there and, and looking around and stuff. Yeah. Very cool. How did you meet your wife, by the way? Was you were you at a party at Alfred and you're like, you oh, I, the room? now that might be a story not for the <laughs> podcast, my friend. That's a story for a bar stool somewhere gotcha. else. Okay. No, no, no. We yeah, we we met actually. We met freshman year. I courted her for four years, and then we, she finally uh, started dating me <laughs> senior year, right before we got out of there. So we met uh, we met a few different ways, including parties, but also in, in school specifically in a uh, preemptive study abroad class. I was going down to New Zealand for a semester. She uh, was going over to England. And uh, that's when I got to engage with her a little bit more. Okay, so for all you investors out there, if you're wondering if you're gonna give your cash to Tim and he's gonna give up, the answer is no, because he chased this girl for four years before she finally <laughs> said yes, so right? That's a very accurate statement, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> all right cool so all right so you you finish school you you do the you you do the overseas stuff that's cool yep. you come to colorado for grad school um you're married when did you get married before you got came married out? It, oh boy that what's up with all the tough questions my friend <laughs> i got married in 2015 <laughs> i mean uh, was that was it uh before when you came out to colorado or you came out first and then got married? no came out first we were my wife and i were just dating uh we okay, came okay. out uh, but we had just got back. That's when I got real serious about it. And so it was actually funny. We just skidded into Boulder on fumes, man. We had just traveled the world, spent every dollar we had, go to grad school in Boulder, Boulder, no money whatsoever. Uh, but I decided I wanted to marry this girl. And so I actually used one skill I had, which was I bought old skis, tuned them up and resold them just to put a couple pennies together and buy my mm. wife a ring that year. Are you so, serious? Uh, that, now that's yeah. pretty cool right there. Yep. That's pretty yep. cool. Yep. Yep. That's exactly right. Where'd you live? Where'd you live? Like a little 800 square foot apartment somewhere? Oh, that's smaller than that. I think. Yeah. We lived at a few different places. Um, we first were just in a room and then we, yeah, we lived in central Boulder in a tiny little okay. apartment. Yeah. All right. So you, you know, you're going to grad school and she's going to grad school at the same time. No, no, no. She was just working. Uh, okay. she's a, she's an educator as well. She's a teacher. Um, and so she was working. All right. So she's working. You start grad school. Okay. Do yep. you have any idea at this point? Are you still thinking, are you thinking entrepreneur walk me into yeah yeah walk me into kind of what happens now <laughs> yeah absolutely so actually I, I was at grad school and i was studying this really specific stuff i was still doing this like ceramic researchy stuff uh, okay um i'd come here to do that specifically and something we missed a little part in my story i spent a year and a half at this place called oak ridge national labs down in tennessee just oh. like en route for maybe some of our front range audience a national lab super quality research happening there uh, and so I, if you had asked any of like my undergrad uh, friends, my roommates, if I was going to become the entrepreneur, they would have said, absolutely not. I was like anti-business. I was at the bench. I was really science heavy, loved like just being in the lab. Okay. Uh, and so I did that for a few years when I came here to Colorado. And then actually just through some personal things, uh, I ended up not continuing on that research. I didn't get along with, with the person that I was working with, which is totally fine. It wasn't a major issue at all. But we switched things up and that's when I found my way into what I do now, which we'll get into later, which is like soft robotics. Uh, continued to be real technical though, as a PhD student, obviously, uh, but then found myself kind of meandering into leadership positions and things like that. Uh, and then eventually we can talk about the story of what, what launched Artemis, but it really was kind of, I didn't, I was not that kid saying, I'm going to go be a CEO. I was not super okay. into entrepreneurship and things like that. I just found my way there eventually. 
Okay, so it, it, while you were going to school. Yeah. Now, did, did you did you did this happen when you started going for your doctorate? Is that when you were like, oh, I think maybe I'm headed down this mechanic. I mean, talk to me about this. When is that? How does that happen? Just go ahead and give me the story. Are you are you getting your is, is this when you're getting your master's or when you're getting your doctorate? And talk to me. Yeah, yeah. So, so what actually happens often in, uh, in for engineers, a lot of times you'll come in from undergrad and go straight for your doctorate. Okay. They like that because then you commit to a project for longer and you can move the needle a little bit more. Oh. Uh, so I'd committed to a completely different project, and what happened was I had a, a fight with my boss, and and he fired me. He actually fired me like two or three weeks before my wedding. It was a very uh, what? Kinda, yeah, crazy time in my life. But it turned out so good for me. Like that was, I'm so glad I got off that road because it wasn't working out. Um, but I was too stubborn to realize that. But so what happened, and we'll kind of jump into the story of Artemis now, is we yeah. worked on this soft robotic technology for a couple of years, heads down, and it, it absolutely was not just me. I was the I was actually the first PhD student in this new research group, but a few others uh, that were really impactful got hired right behind me, and they're my co-founders here at the company. Um, okay. And we worked on this technology for a while. For your uh, doctorate. You're, doing, you're working on the technology just to get your doctorate. but, but Just to get my doctorate. Yeah, just okay, to get my okay. doctorate. We are right. academics. We are academics through okay. and through. A okay. uh, little bit of noise about maybe someday we'll like commercialize something. But like we had never shown the, the, the world our, our research. What happened was when, when we finally put this research out, uh, it got picked up by press, like National Geographic Wired. We're on CPR, uh, things like that. Uh, that brought in commercial interest. And that's when we're just sitting around a meeting, uh, December 2017. Yeah, a while ago now. And we we're just like, hey, people really like what we're doing here. And no. so that was the origins of Artemis. Uh, and we can talk more about that. And so it really was me and some guys. And nobody really kind of knew what that looked like or what it meant. And I just found myself organizing the team and things like that. And that's when I kind of elevated up to the CEO and, and really kind of gave this some structure and some leadership that we needed at that time. So now super said, organic, uh, really kind of just meandering our way to what we're doing now. Well, you said you guys were in a meeting, more like you guys were at a bar having beers and you're like, oh, well, I think we got something. <laughs> Those have happened at other times too, but <laughs> it depends on which meeting. <laughs> yeah, so, so I see you kind of gradually move into this to where you guys are like tapping each other on the shoulder going, damn, there's actually some interest here. Like, man, maybe, maybe we should like, turn this into a company yeah and how does that how does that work does the and i'm totally ignorant to this so just treat me layman's you know education here if the if you're working on this shit at the college do, do they own it do you oh, yeah. own it like, and then you're trying to turn it how does that work yeah 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 that's a whole kind of discussion and i'm happy to talk <laughs> about that but i mean as anything you the university's paying you right you're an employee of the university when you're doing that type of research even as a okay. graduate student you're getting paid to do what you're doing okay. and so as anything yeah they're going to own what you, the fruits of your labor like that's going to happen at a big corp too you go yeah. work for google you invent something yeah. google owns it same same yeah. system at a at a university but the university has mechanisms, though, to uh, spin spin out things. And it's usually called a tech transfer office or, or something similar to that. Okay. And so they have opportunities to license it back to you. Um, so although they, they, you know, they own the original patents, they license them back to Artemis, which is the company now, and we take it forward. Um, and so that's a, there's a whole lot of discussion on that. There's a lot of good intentions on making that process smooth and seamless. Different universities do it differently. Okay. Here at CU, they're trying hard, um, but it was a difficult time for the company. It was one of the harder negotiations. And it does feel weird because you literally end up sitting on the other side of the table that you used to sat on, right? Right, we were, right. Yeah, it's very weird. It, 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 it's strange, um, but it, it's it's solvable. In the end, we got a fine deal. Well, a fine deal okay. it works for okay. us. But the university owns a small, a small piece of the company for it. 
um, and they're going to get a little bit of royalties uh, for, for the sales for the future. But, but you know, they, they, in, they have the ecosystem that allowed this to exist in the first place. Understood. Right? So that's kind of the logic behind it. You couldn't go do this at Google, right? You couldn't leave Google and say, hey, by the way, can I have the, can I have the stuff I invented? Yeah, that's we'll never going to happen. Right. <laughs> so, so, so are you nearing your, your final year of your doctorate when this thing is starting to take off? Yes, yes. That's okay. exactly right. Yep, that's exactly right. Mm. Uh, I'm I'm wrapping up my PhD. My first son's being born all at the same time. I'm on the wow. way out, and we launched the company all all officially. You know, signed the documents and launched the company all in the course of a three month period. Wow! And uh, it's a great great time. Um, and then what what was good for us too over at Artemis is I, I jumped into it first. I was full time. We got some grants from the state of Colorado, which okay, was phenomenal. Just- I was just about to ask you, how did you eat and pay rent and all yep, that? Yep, we got some grants lined up and it was perfect. And then the rest of my co-founders, actually, they were they were from the university too, and, and they were still finishing things up. And so that had that had advantages and disadvantages. The advantages are they had a different paycheck. They, they were not full-time at the company yet. And mm-hmm. so that meant, you know, how did we kind of do this? You, we had right. We didn't need as much cash. We weren't very intensive. Gotcha. And then they actually came over kind of slowly and surely. And so while our progress might have been a little slower, because ideally you want everybody full time, uh, it meant that we didn't have a huge capital strain at the beginning. Uh, right. So that's been really, we, we really had a nice kind of takeoff ramp. Which Plus was your wife was making money as a teacher, so you weren't starving. Yeah, yeah, that's helpful too. That's helpful too. And, and is she like, is, is your wife looking at you like, no, what are you doing? Now you got your doctor. You're supposed to go like, go get like a regular job or something. And make a um, <laughs> I tell people, I can never have a regular job anymore. I've been too like loosey goosey right. doing this crazy stuff. Uh, no, she supports me with everything I do always. I've never been happier and more engaged uh, in, in any of my professional kind of experiences than I have now. Entrepreneurship fits uh, Tim Morsey really well. Uh, yeah, I, I can, I can see it. I can see it all over your personality. I was yeah. watching the, I watched another interview you did with somebody and I was just like, Oh yeah, this guy's, he's just dripping entrepreneur, you know? Yeah. You totally yeah. got the spirit for it, the personality. Yeah. And by the way, I can't see you heads down quiet in a lab coat all day. Like not, no, no, I can be, I can turn it on. I can turn it on. Can you? Okay. Um, yeah. I like, I, I really like technical stuff. It's actually been something I've been kind of balancing now that I'm in this leadership position at Artemis, you know, I'm, I'm not at the bench much anymore. And uh, I think I'm okay with it, but I do reflect on it regularly to still be like, is Tim all right? And, and the truth is, I still build stuff in my personal life and oh, cool. like campers and things like that. So I think I find an opportunity to kind of scratch that itch in other places. How and did you- I enable my team to get to do that. And that's what I, I value that so much more. I I take ownership in what they're able to do because I'm building a company that empowers them to do it. And that's what I'm trying to do. So was there, was there ever, was there ever any, like one of your buddies is like, no, man, I want to be the CEO. Like, Hey, no, no, it, it, we got a real good kind of natural fit of a, of a team here. We get along pretty well. We all have our strengths and weaknesses. We're, we're, we're technical heavy for sure, but we're a tech company. We got a lot of technical problems. Um, And so, no, it, it, it lines up well. Um, and I think okay. I, I think my leadership style works well with, with the team I have too, where I'm, I'm really all about uh, empowering them. You know, I was just, I was just talking to a good mentor of mine and a good CEO. When you don't show up that day, nobody even notices that's, he's like, be the most useless person around mm-hmm. because everybody else is just so focused and doing the important stuff that when you don't show up, the important stuff's still happening. Mm, that's pretty he's good like, advice. That's pretty he's good like, advice. like, lead that way, man. If everything's relying on you and no one can do anything until you sign off yeah. on it or check yeah. something, no. what, you're just holding everybody up. 
Totally agree. For everybody that has no idea what we're talking about, let's do it. I think now's a good time. Give them the Artemis Robotics overview, man. Give it. To, give us the elevator pitch. Go for it. Yeah, for sure. So Artemis Robotics is changing the way the world moves by enabling lifelike motion in a bunch of new industries. Uh, we've seen the field of robotics and automation try to move forward in the world, right? We've all been promised the rosy robot in the home. Right? Where's mine? Like I want one. Yeah. Hey, everybody wants it, man. Everybody <laughs> wants it. And even <laughs> in the factory, it's all been promised you know, no one's going to need to do any labor anymore. The robots are going to do it, but go look around and that's not happening because oh, what's oh. happening in the field of robotics is we're, we're advancing AI, we're advancing yes. vision, right? But we're not advancing motion, how to actually move things, mm. hardware, uh, mm. the saying hardware is hard is very accurate, but at Artemis that doesn't scare us. And so what we do is we have actually have a new technology, which is a, a motion technology, a way to make things move. Okay. We call it artificial muscles. Uh, and we purposely use that term because we're trying to replicate the performance of human muscles. So we make uh, what's called a linear actuator, something that moves, it contracts or expands or something like that. And we have okay. a new way to do that with electricity and liquids and, and flexible materials. Wow. So brand new concepts of how to get something to move. Uh, and so we bring that to market. We've got defense uh, areas, industrial automation, some other kind of experimental consumer areas that are a little farther out, uh, but really just helping these different industries move more like you and I. That's what so, we're doing at Artemis. So everybody else is focused on the brain and you're focused on CP3O's body, basically. Yep. Everybody's focused on the brain. We're focused on the body. That's perfect. Awesome. You're right. You know, you're right. Where are the robots? We were promised those 20 years ago because I want one for my house that can just do shit, you know, like yeah, the yeah, laundry always, and take, take out yeah, the trash. They're always 20 years out. Um, but and, and, and there is a lot changing right now. Um, but usually what I say is that like what's more important, um, you know, AI that can help me map something better. Right. Like and that's fun. But I actually want to do the thinking. I like thinking there's mm, a physical task I don't want to do. Um, and so that's really important for us to kind of start working on those problems right now. Good point. I mean, do you have a lot of competition? I mean, I'm just guessing there's a lot of other companies trying to make robot bodies. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. There, there's competition. We, we operate what, what, what you would do if you were kind of categorizing our technology and what we do. We operate in a, in a region called soft robotics. So, okay. so that's one of our key things is our technology is literally soft and flexible. Uh, we take inspiration from nature. Look at yourself. You've got a soft compliant bicep and muscles and things like that. And we yeah. think if you start there, you're a lot better suited to go solve different motion challenges mm. rather than starting with metals and rotating gears and things like that. We don't use anything like that. Super radical way to make things move. There are other people working on these type of problems, including other startups. Now, this has been an academic kind of endeavor for a long time. Okay. Uh, but Notable Companies is a company uh, named Soft Robotics Inc. out in Boston. They're doing phenomenal work with a soft compliant like Gripper, picking up food and things like that. Okay. And then there's a few other folks out there uh, often doing like maybe healthcare applications or exosuits and things like that, but not a lot of traction. Soft Robotics is a very kind of nascent industry. Uh, Inter but if interesting. You, yep. And what yeah. and what's your and what's the model? Are you selling? Are you selling the technology? Are you selling parts? Are you selling eventual bodies of robots? Like what's what's the model? Yeah, fantastic, fantastic question. Currently, Artemis positions itself to be a component supplier. So we are selling pieces of hardware that someone's going to go put 
into their solution. So it's like okay. we're the tire manufacturers selling to the car company that then sells their car with wheels on it and everything to somebody else. Okay. Um, however, we have partners where we are a little more maybe a licensee technology sales instead. And okay. so if, you know, there's, 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 we have customers where selling just a component isn't necessarily the right play because the, the, the benefit of, of our technology needs to be like integrated really deeply into what they're building and things like that. Gotcha. And so what we do is we do some custom engineering, like NRE or something like that, uh, where we kind of set up a partnership and we say, okay, we have these widgets that move, but we're going to make you a really custom widget to make it move a little different. And gotcha. then, I mean, we're a young company, none of that's on market yet, but, but the idea is that they can, they can go ahead and just manufacture themselves and do a license play or something like that, or, or we can do the manufacturing as well. But the core is making these kind of componentry widgets uh, that people use elsewhere. Very good. Okay, I love it. All right, and then talk to us, what's the size of the company? You've been around a couple of years or almost three years. Yep. What, yeah. How many, yeah. How, many, how many employees? We got four full-time employees and a couple of interns as well. Um, okay. and so, yeah, we've been around, uh, we were officially incorporated pretty much at the end of 20 or at the end of 2018, 2019. Is uh, everybody so still, is everybody still working for equity or, or are you, or are you making revenue and actually paying people now? Are you, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're paying people, baby. We're paying, <laughs> yeah, no, no, we're doing just fine. Uh, we actually raised our first fundraise in the middle of COVID. It was always kind of wow. on the map to raise at the beginning of 2020. Um, and, and, uh, I, I was literally traveling on whatever, March 12th or whatever out in Chicago. I was supposed to be out in California on the 13th, 14th, uh, when, when this whole thing hit and, and, and it's real interesting to have in, investor conversations, uh, the day the stock market made the biggest plummet in like, whatever. Hey man, listen, I know there's this pandemic and like, you know, the world could end, but can you go ahead and write me like a couple million dollars check? I mean, would that be all right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so that was tough, but we're operating in a great space for that. Uh, after everyone, after the shock wore off through March and into April, uh, there was two things that made Artemis an investable company still in the middle of a pandemic. Okay. Uh, the first is that we operate in the field of robotics. Uh, if anything, this COVID thing has taught us how important it is to automate more things. Uh, we remember the food shortages uh, in the grocery store because the meat packing facilities were shut down because the laborers shouldn't show up. Exactly. Right? So let's start getting robots that actually do the things that the laborer used to do. So that was one reason. We're in a good, we're in a good industry uh, that's kind of like, like if we if we step back from that kind of uh, scared, uh, uncertain March time frame or mind frame, we see that it's totally fine. Yep. And then second, we're a super early stage company. And so compared to a, a consumer facing company uh, that everybody just uh, lost their jobs and ran out of money. And you know what? I'm not going to buy new shirts anymore. Right. Uh, we didn't have customers that were going to get disrupted. Okay. Like that. You know, we do have customers and it has disrupted us. Uh, I don't want to understate that. It is very much slowed down these development processes and projects that we have with customers to get our technology into their application. Um, but it's going to be less impact impactful compared to so, be, so somebody wrote you a right. somebody you raised cash in March. Somebody wrote you a check in March. No, somebody wrote us a check in. We were doing it in March. Somebody wrote us a check in uh I guess it was in, in, in May. So we but still, closed it though in but, April. But still, congratulations. That's a big win. <laughs> it, was, it was nuts. It was That's nuts. a big win, bro. I mean, oh, yeah. congrats, congrats. I mean, really yeah. great, great job. And not only, was that a seed round, a round? What were you, what'd you call that? I had been, we call it a seed round. It was a very small round. Uh, okay. It was under a million bucks. Uh, it okay. was just but enough still. to kind of put some in and get us moving, get us operational, yeah. move us into a facility and really see where we're at. And, and what was interesting about what we did is 
at Artemis, we, we, we leverage both investor money. We do have revenue. We've been selling what we call dev kits since day one. Okay. Um, and so we bring in money for thousands of dollars a month type of situation, tens of thousands, some months. Awesome. Um, so we've got a little bit of revenue too. And then, and then we got government grants too. We're, we're great technology, an early technology. And the government has programs like SBIR programs and the like to help support that. Uh, so you're... So so you're burning cash a little bit, but, but, but you do have revenue. Is that accurate? We're burning cash a little bit, but we do have revenue. We're certainly not sustainable and we certainly aren't sustainable as we bring the rest of the team on. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and but what the big crux was, was we had, we had received this grant from the state of Colorado uh, and, and they are saying, we're going to write you $250,000 check as long as you have a half a million dollars from somebody else. This, the uh, state has this program where they have this like matching thing. I see. And so we had this money that was promised to us. Like we had won the grant and everything and we had to go find the rest of the money Ooh. in order to unlock everything. So we had this, we had this kind of happening in, in quarter two of 2020 where everything was going to be totally fine or totally messed up. Oh. And so that's what was going on. Meanwhile, while you were getting your doctorate and all the things you went to school for, there's no, you didn't take any classes on how to raise cash or talk people into. I mean, you had to learn. I actually did, though. I oh, started okay. auditing some classes at the very oh, okay. end of my okay. PhD when okay. I saw this happening. One of the uh, most uh, kind of interesting classes I ever took was from a gentleman named uh, Brad Bernthal, and he co-teaches it with a, a pretty famous investor, Jason Mendelson, a Foundry Group, who, who now retired. Yep. Yep. And so uh, I audited that class and it was wildly interesting and it absolutely helped me. Uh, you know, I'm not an expert in fundraising, but I could get up to speed a little faster when people start talking about things. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Very good. All right. Very good. And so is this all patented, protected tech? I mean, can, can anybody copy this? Do you guys have, do you have you spent a bunch of money on lawyers to get this stuff patented? What, what? Yes. <laughs> Yes, we spent a lot of money on lawyers. <laughs> See, you originally spent the money on lawyers, and then they tell you, by the way, we'll take you can help us pay for some of those now. Um, so the company has the, the portfolio with CU is I think six pieces of IP deep, and then the company has a couple as well. Okay. Uh, and not, none of it's granted yet, but it's all kind of provisional. But that's to be expected at this stage. These things just yeah. take years to move through the processes. Mm, uh, most of our IP is really, like I said we're making motion in a very different way compared to how other people do it. We're not using a, a motor or, or a gearbox or anything like that. We use this, this thin plastic films, we use uh, liquids and we use pretty high voltage electronics. Uh, and okay. that's, that's a unique system. And that's, that's like the core platform technology. We call it hazel artificial muscles. And I that's that. what the majority of our IP is focused on. Not all of it. Some of our IP is focused on applications too, but. Do you want to build a, a billion dollar company that's supplying robot makers with all these things that they need? Or are you hoping to get it to 200 million and flip it to Google or Amazon? What's the, or do you, or do you necessarily have that whiteboarded out or right now you're just having fun building it? No, no, no. We're not just having fun. I, I, I always tell my team we're a billion dollar company for sure. We're just a little early today. <laughs> and so, no, we absolutely are. Uh, very much that whole kind of Levi jeans to the gold rush situation. We're okay. building a critical tool to unlock the robotics industry. And that tool is a motion tool, get things to move in the proper way. And so I see us okay. supplying all these different robotic companies with what they need. And sometimes that means you build your own robot too, right? Yeah. Like we will we, yeah. we grow into that for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, but I equate us to uh, Mitsubishi. Mitsubishi is a massive global company. They were founded uh, when someone made a weird little motor for the mining industry. 
Oh. Right. So, so it's a motion solution. Uh, they needed something for the mind and they need something to spin or something like that. And they oh. just grew and grew and grew. And now they're in all these verticals. And I think we could that? be a similar situation. Okay. All right. Very good. Congratulations on getting it to where you, you know, you're at so far. Really nice. Thank you. Nice. And, and in a very short time, by the way, in, <laughs> in the scheme of things, a very short time, you've got it to this this point where we had a nice launch pad because like i said we've been working on the technology since 2015 yeah. so when you get that under your belt you get to move a little faster once you get out very good have the other guys quit their jobs is everybody full-time yeah. yeah everybody's full-time now yep yep that's a pretty recent development it's been happening over the course of this year essentially though but yeah everybody's over here now i always love how those conversations go with wives and husbands and things when you you, you go in and you're like hey listen we're gonna doing this full-time and i'm walking away from this other thing that might be paying them and it's always risky and scary yeah. No, everybody's and we're it's it's been great. It's been great. And the pace that we're able to move now, it feels like a oh, weight yeah. on our shoulders. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so now let me ask you. I'm sure you've gotten this question and you'll probably get it a million more times as you build this company. I want to ask you and push you towards the whole conversation around all the people that are scared robots are gonna take over the planet and take over all the jobs and oh my god, you know, you're gonna eliminate all these jobs. Tim, come on, Tim, you're gonna put all these people out of work. I mean, you're gonna get this, you're gonna get this a million times, right? Um <laughs> So talk, talk to me about, let, let, talk to me about that fear and how, when people, when, when people bring it up with you, how do, how do you answer it? What do you say? Go for it. hundred percent, hundred percent. I was fortunate enough to be educated uh, by a, a gentleman that was uh, working at the Google X uh, facility out there in, in California. He educated me on this, this concept that I'm going to introduce here. Uh, but, but it's, the, this concept that robots are taking our jobs, right. uh, there's all, it really, it's technology is taking our jobs. And that's always been a consideration. People are always concerned about it. And guess what? It's always been trending in a certain direction. So let's lean into it and control that a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And so what's happening right now, like I talked about before, is automation is being developed, right? And so right. you can automate different things. You can automate a physical laborist job. You can automate a simple intellectual job. You can automate an a, a highly intellectual job, actually. Yep. And so take a step back and when have quote unquote robots taken our jobs? Mm -hmm. Well, they haven't taken the fruit picking job yet. They haven't taken the truck unloading job yet, but they have taken the secretary's job and they have taken um, maybe mm -hmm. the, the planner's job, right? You don't need to really plan things as much. A computer program can do that. They're actually taking all of these low intellectual or, or even mid intellectual jobs that used to be kind of like good jobs that anybody would want. That's been happening really fast because of our developments in AI, True. but the laborious jobs are not. So what's happening is we're actually distilling down kind of those jobs that nobody wants. Wow. Um, let me get a little more specific on that. Uh, Walmart distribution centers. There's one up in Loveland, Colorado. I've toured it myself, right? Okay. When you get hired there, you don't need a college degree for it. It's a great job for folks. When you get hired there, your first job is, is literally picking boxes and throwing them on a conveyor belt. You, you essentially feed this big machine a certain number of boxes from that pile and that pile and that pile. Okay. And that's what they're going to kind of like make you cut your teeth on. It's a hard job. It's dark. It's backbreaking. It's, it's rough stuff. Gotcha. But the idea is that you're going to work your way up and slowly you're going to wear the five-year pin and then the 10-year pin and the 15-year <laughs> pin. And guess what? When you get the 15-year pin, that's a great job. People are happy there, right? Like it's a good job for, for a middle-class family to, to operate on. And that job is a forklift driving job, right? Every, drive a forklift around. That's way easier than hucking boxes, yeah, right? 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 Guess what's like right around the corner in warehouse automation? Forklift, for, forklifts that drive We're going to automate all the forklifts <laughs> because the self-driving car, all that technology, just dropping in a forklift. There's no bikes around or anything like that. And it, right. it's off to the races. 
And so mm. that's an example where that entry level job's still there. Mm. And that good, not back breaking job is going away. Mm. We're distilling mm. down. Wow. And the reason for that is because we can't automate laborious things. We can't automate motion. Right. And right. that's what we're doing at Artemis. Wow. Very, and, and by the way, you'll end up, you're, you're replaced, you'll replace the jobs that nobody wants to do anyway. Right? We, that the goal is to free up those individuals to work in more rewarding, more human jobs, not the dirty, the dull, and the dangerous jobs that they're being forced into. Right. And, and there, you can't find employees to do anyway. And there's constant turnover and trying to get people to stay there is a it's, freaking nightmare. Agriculture is a, oh my goodness, it's such an interesting area to look at. But yeah, agriculture is a really, uh, yeah, those backbreaking jobs are hard to fail and they're really important. Yeah, I, t- I, t- I totally agree. You'll end up making a better life for people because what will happen is all those people that have those shitty, uh, shitty ass jobs, they'll be transitioned into other easier jobs that are not so backbreaking and aren't so you know damaging to their body physically that you'll yep. end up putting them in a better situation probably that's what we believe that's 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 the future we're trying to enable here yeah but it's, yeah. it's really hard and that's that's why we're, we're working on it and that's why we're not afraid to tackle big problems now you're going to be that guy that's that, that sarah connor has to like go back in time and like kill because you you made the robots that like to, no i'm just playing that's a that's a <laughs> That's a spin-off the Terminator movie. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think so. I, I hope not. I think we're going to empower some people, but, but yeah. Uh, and I'm just giving you a hard time. Uh, okay. Very good. Well, I, I, I'm ready for my robot. I want my robot in my house right now because I can just, there's several things. I mean, even yesterday, I thought about you because we were getting ready for the interview and I was looking up your stuff yesterday and I had a package dropped off by mm-hmm. shipping com- a shipping company. Uh, yep. I ordered this. I ordered this fancy tent that goes on the back of my Jeep. Nice. Oh, let's talk about that in a second, Ben. Yeah, and uh, and and I didn't know it was going to be. I didn't know it was going to be as heavy, and I didn't know it was going to be in such a big box. And he brings it to the front porch. And I'm like, oh damn. Okay, I don't know if I can get this around back by myself. I have to call my youngest son who drops by and helps me get it around to the garage. But the point is, I was thinking about you, and I thought if I had my household robot that's like ten times stronger than me, he could just carry it around back for me. Or it doesn't need to be 10 times stronger, just as strong, right? You just need your son to show up. You needed one more human strength. That's right. One more. Right? Yep. So, yeah. 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 So I'm ready. I think, I think there'll be so many things that'll make our lives so much better. Can you imagine it's for all the listeners that are scared robots going to take over? Just, just imagine having one that can do basic house duties. And so yeah. now on Saturday, instead of doing laundry and dusting your, your tables in the living room and cleaning the toilets, and all this shit you got to do on Saturday. Guess what? You don't have to do that anymore. Now you can go to the mountains and go camping in your Jeep because you have more time. Yep. That's right. That's so exactly right. I'm selling for you, Tim. I'm selling. Oh, you, you see the vision, man. It's all about, uh, yeah, removing the barriers to enjoying life. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Let me ask you a couple of wrap-up questions here. You've been through, I mean, you're still a super young guy, but you've been through a lot in the last 24, 35. 36 months. I mean, you've, yep. you're yep. moving at light speed. Um, yep. Any quick uh, two or three things you want to tell the aspiring entrepreneur who's still in college with his buddies? Uh, they got something going, but they haven't, they haven't filed for their LLC yet. They haven't, they haven't really taken any action, yeah, but, yeah. But, but they got an idea or they got a product. Any advice for them? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the first is to just like 
just go for it. And when I say go for it, I mean, lean into it. That idea is already a real company and go start selling it to people. Go start talking to people left, right, and center. Anybody that'll listen to you about your idea and get some real feedback. Best yet, go talk to potential customers and get some real feedback. They'll, they'll educate you real fast on how dumb that idea actually is. <laughs> Um, and so lean into it that, you know, you don't need to go get a patent on the idea. No one's going to steal your idea. Someone else has probably already thought about your idea. Ideas are really important, but they're only important with execution. And so go test that, go try to work it forward a little bit and see what's actually going on. So just talk to as many people as you can and meet as many people as you can and, and and see, see, see what that idea really looks like. Do not keep it away in your little notebook. Oh my goodness. I reinvented everything. I'm going to finally solve nuclear fusion or something like that. <laughs> Chances are you're not, but uh, go, go, go get some opinions from other people on, on what's good and what's bad. And don't be so scared that people are going to steal your idea and start something. That, that is really good advice. I, and, and I've had other entrepreneurs on the Rider Flex podcast say the same thing. They're like, listen, just, just talk to everybody, tell everybody what's going on, get as much feedback as you can. You know, everybody's like, Oh, I got to have them sign an NDA and I got to make sure my shit's protect. I mean, it's like, come on, man, just come on. But just, it's scary. Just, it's, it's scary. And, and I, and I'm, I don't want to downplay that either. And especially in the early stages, the idea makes up 100% of the company until you start true. executing. And eventually the idea is only 5% of the company or hopefully 1% of the company and the marketing and the brand and the technology, right. you know, all these other things, but in the beginning it's everything. So you want to hold on to it. Right. Um, but yeah. One piece yeah, of advice could... that a, a mentor of mine gave me was, and I, I'm starting to not do this now. I'm too busy to do this. But he said, take every single meeting you can get mm. until you really feel like you can't do it anymore. But you talk to every single person that, that is interested in talking to you um, until, until you, you break. But yeah. Good advice. Any, any early advice now that you've had a little uh, experience raising cash? Anything you want to tell the listeners on, on cash raise? Oh, cash raise is super interesting. It's going to be different for every situation. Yeah. So that's really hard. But just be, try to truly step back off of your quote unquote business plan. Whatever idea you have on how you're going to go convince someone to give you more money and turn it into even more money, uh, step back and, and make sure all the dots actually connect. I've been in a couple of meetings when they are with my deck, they're going to be like, okay, so you're saying revenue there. Okay, thank you. I just want to make sure. Now let's talk about that thing you said earlier. Oh, look at there's a there's something's broken there. Ooh. So because then they're gonna be like, that's all they want. It's like, have you really thought through all of this? Mm. Everybody knows that this is all just a concept and everything has to go well for you to execute on this properly. But if it's like, you know, if you have completely you say you're gonna make revenue over here and you have no indicator of how you build out that particular leg of the business or something, then people are gonna be like, What what you just you literally just wrote that down, <laughs> right? And then you'll be like, Yeah. Yes. So, so like just that. really step back and try to make the plan actually coherent and keep bouncing around of like, okay, now I thought about this. How does that relate to what I thought about before? And then iterate. because sometimes Great. people are just linear and they don't clean that up. And it turns out there was some holes in their plan. I like that. Connect the dots. Have you had any scary moments where you're uh, waking up in a sweat in the middle of the night and your wife's like, what's wrong? And you're kind of pacing around the living room. Any of that yet? Uh, yeah, I mean, sure. Whatever. We've, we've had some scares. I mean, it was rough. Uh, it, it when COVID hit and like, that was like with the time with the raise and stuff, I was like, Oh boy, like, Oh boy. <laughs> um, I wasn't really sure what was going to happen. Cause it's, I didn't have, you know, I'm still an early stage company and a first time founder and I am confident in the future of Artemis. I'm very confident in it now. Uh, I love what I'm doing here. 
but that really made you question everything when I was trying to tell people to give me money in an unarguably like never experienced time. And right. so it was like, are you kidding me? Like how much risk do you have right now? And so I was like, <laughs> uh Oh, like this, this, this might be, this might be the kind of thing I didn't foresee, but we got through it. We got through it. And then I got through it by talking to my team and talk, being honest with them of where I was at and what I was thinking. And we figured it out. And you know, you, you did what we did at Riderflex, you know, same thing. We just kept going forward. I like just kept moving forward. You know, so many, so many people I know, uh, we kind of put their head in the sand and, oh my God, the sky's falling. We're just going to hide over here. I'm like, no, 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 we didn't. You did probably what we did. We just kept charging forward and just, just, just kept moving forward and kept, kept taking action because what can we do? What can we do today? Okay. Yes. We can't do that anymore. What can we do? That, it, yes. I mean, it was COVID was particularly interesting for us because we build things. We, we make hardware. We have, we have a lab, we have, we have tools, we have things to do yeah. compared to a company that's completely like, Oh, right. I just code. All right, fine. I'll take my computer home. Yeah. Um, or whatever. So that was a challenge for us. And so what can we do? But, I, and I don't want to downplay it. We got lucky. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that yeah. have tried really hard and who did just keep moving and were not as fortunate through that, that kind of turmoil. Uh, and so I do feel kind of fortunate. You guys, have, you guys have done a great job on it so far. Congratulations, by the way, for everybody listening, it's artemisrobotics.com, artemisrobotics.com. Or you can look up Timothy Morrissey on LinkedIn and see his great looking profile picture there. <laughs> do I get do, do I get one of those branded caps you're wearing? Do I need to send you? Hey, if you want one, man, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shoot me an email afterwards. I get you some stickers and a cap. I like that. I like that, man. Congratulations on everything so far, and really appreciate you being on the Rider Flex podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. It's been fun. If you think today's tip or guest interview can help someone you know, please share this with them. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to our channel and hit the like button. The RiderFlex podcast features entrepreneurs, business executives, and the stories behind how they got there, as well as daily tips on career advice and job interviewing. You can visit RiderFlex.com to learn more about us and get information and pricing on the recruiting and consulting services we provide. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day.